Proverbs chapter 1, jump in with me, verse number 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple. Now that word simple there actually means people without direction who are inclined to evil. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Verse 7, key verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, people who are morally deficient, not just ignorant, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why don't we lean in this morning and see what God would say. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together. And we can sense your presence in our time of worship today. We know that you're here. We know that you're up to some incredible things in our lives. And we just surrender our hearts to you in this moment. Every, every person in the room, every person online today, we just yield to you. We invite you to do a great work in our hearts today and in our lives. I pray you meet every need that's present in this community today. And God, I, I just I pray speak to us through your word. May I make much of you in these moments. Uh, God, may we have ears that listen and hearts that receive today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. As you're being seated today, turn to your neighbor and tell them, Go Vikings! Even, even if you're not a true Vikings fan, today you're aligning yourself with EPAC Jesus followers. So I just trust that you'll root with us. There's not much to say about the national championship with Georgia. It was a win. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. It means dear to my heart. Um, National championship memorabilia is for sale at Georgia Bulldogs. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. It was a, was a big win. I didn't expect it to be quite like that. If you define the, the meaning of the word or idea of a life hack, uh, it's any trick or shortcut that increases productivity and efficiency in an, any area of life. People today in our world, and maybe even many of us, are searching for answers. And a lot of times, if we were honest, we're even searching for shortcuts or new ways, new developments, new tools to live the best life. I mean, if you've got something that helps make my life simpler, I'm in. If you have something that can save someone on the amount of time they spend doing something, they can spend a shorter time span doing it. People are in. If you can work smarter, not harder, people are willing to give it a try. Our world loves a life hack. In fact, uh, if you Google life hack, the, the first Google result when I did this in preparation for today came up with 200 incredible life hacks. This was the title. 200 incredible life hacks that make life so much easier. Here are a few of these. I can't give you all of them, obviously. Here's a few. Number one, uh, ways to make your suitcase more recognizable during travel 
to avoid someone taking it or for you to see it easier on the conveyor belt. Anybody have a suitcase that's not black? (laughs) Right? Uh, Secondly, squint your eyes to make your smile look genuine in your pictures. I didn't realize that was a life hack because God just gifted me with the ability to squint my eyes every time I smile because I have these baby cheeks that never went away. Put your number three, put your pancake mix in an old ketchup bottle so that when you are using it, it reduces the amount of mess. I I don't think you're mixing it. Let me make sure you're clear on this. Uh, Because somebody's going to go home and say, I tried this ketchup pancake thing and it was awful. I don't think you're mixing the ketchup in the pancake mix. You should cleanse that bottle and wash it out and then put your pancake mix in. Wow, who knew that a life hack would be so confusing? Put a, uh, put a pool noodle, number, number four, put a pool noodle under a fitted sheet on the edge to prevent a child from falling off the bed. True confession at my house, if my kids are in the bed, I'm the one that needs the pool noodle under the fitted sheet. Because I'm the one about to fall off. Now, if you're responsible for taking out the trash in your home, maybe you'll appreciate this. You can drill holes in the bottom of a trash can to eliminate the suction issue when you're putting in a new trash bag. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You put it in the trash bag and you can't get it to open because there's all these air pockets underneath. Uh, Number six, turn the seat warmer on in your car to keep pizza warm on the way home. And number seven, lastly, there's seven total. Number seven, lastly, the right way to eat a cupcake, cut the bottom off, put it on top, and make a cupcake sandwich. Can I get an amen today? Which, you know, I I didn't realize that was a thing. I usually just eat the bottom first anyway so that the part with the icing on top is last. Save the best for last. I kind of do the same thing with cake. I eat the non-icing side first. I, thank you, sir. I got a witness in the crowd. Eat the non-icing side first and eat the side with the icing last. Because, I mean, the icing is really where it's at. These are just a few of the ideas. Seven out of 200 in one simple article. The reality is that in our world today, there are plenty of opinions out there. And plenty of quote-unquote advice being shared And multiple sources of information. If you want to gain information on any topic, it's readily accessible. Here's the truth, however. We are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. People are searching for answers, especially a way to live better. But the reality is Jesus has already given us everything we need in His Word to live right, to live the way He wants us to live, and ultimately to live the best life. And when I say best life, I'm not talking about what you can gain just in this world in the sense of material possessions. I'm talking about the best life under the blessing, protection, guidance, and strength of God. Everything that really matters. The answers to life's biggest Questions can be found in the wisdom of God's Word. Now let's begin to take a look today at some of the things He's already given us. Proverbs is known as being a book of wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Proverbs is given to us to provide wisdom and understanding in how to live life God's way, which again really is 
the best way and the way that really matters most in our lives. The Hebrew word that's translated proverb, we can very simply say, means a wise saying. Proverbs were intended, even in ancient times, to teach practical lessons for everyday life and living in the form of clear points that could be passed down to others, even verbally. Now, much of Proverbs, if you study, you'll find often, even in chapter 1, verse 8, which is the next verse in the chapter we read from this morning, you'll find that Proverbs was written much in the form of a father to a son, providing this loving guidance. And much of Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon, who was king of Israel and the son of David. Now, if you do a little study on Solomon, you'll find that perhaps the most well-known narrative for knowing who he was and how he lived comes in 1 Kings chapter 3. God gave Solomon the opportunity to ask for anything that he wanted. And God said, I'll give it to you. But Solomon asked instead of for riches or uh, different possessions or different things in life, Solomon asked, if you know the story, he asked for wisdom. He asked for a discerning heart to know right from wrong and to rightly govern the people he was king over and to properly administer justice. And perhaps most, one of the most well-known stories of Solomon facing a conundrum, if you will, of knowing what to do was when two ladies came with a baby, both claiming for that baby to be theirs. And in the wisdom of God that he'd asked and then was receiving from the Lord, Solomon said, well, we'll just do this. We'll cut the baby in half, and each of you can have half. Because in his wisdom, in the Lord's wisdom through him, he knew that the real mother would rather that child be with someone else than to die. Incredible wisdom so much that people traveled great miles, great lengths to come and experience the wisdom of Solomon. Couldn't trap him, couldn't question him in a way that would dupe him. So how appropriate that God inspired Solomon to write many of these Proverbs more than just some good thoughts or little tidbits, but actually wisdom that came even from his own experiences. And in reality, if we'll take these words to heart, we will grow to be truly wiser people. And that doesn't mean that we'll just gain knowledge or information, but truly being wise means paying attention to God's words and living according to His ways. In order for us to gain this wisdom, we have to understand why it matters. Why why does this wisdom of knowing God's ways and following God's ways matter so much We need the right motivation, the right foundation for seeking wisdom. Now, people often seek many answers in this world. We've talked about it. A life hack is a popular thing. But many of those wisdom-seeking moments and many of the answers that people are looking for in our world today are self-focused. How can my life be better? How can my career be better? How can I work in this way and accomplish more in less amount of time? Or how can I advance quicker and so on? Jesus' followers seek the wisdom of God and His Word because we understand who it comes from. We know that these words of wisdom, we need them because we have an awareness of who God is and the importance of His commands. Notice again in our passage this morning, 
Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is a theme in some of the literature of the Old Testament. In Psalm 111, verse 10, the Bible echoes the same thought. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. And then lastly, in Ecclesiastes, and you can find other verses, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, the author there, Solomon, is looking through life and he's evaluating all the things that life has to offer. And, And it's interesting, the last chapter of Ecclesiastes really gives you the summary and the theme for the whole entire writing. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, he says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God... And keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So repeatedly, just in these three passages of Scripture, we see a theme that encourages us. And actually, this is echoed throughout the Old Testament, even well back in the first five books of the Bible known as the Pentateuch. This idea of fearing the Lord. Fear God. So let's talk for a moment about what it means to have godly fear or fear of the Lord versus ungodly fear. Let me start with ungodly fear. Ungodly fear is an unpleasant concern or emotion that someone or something could be dangerous or could be a threat to our lives or could cause us pain. Fear often produces feelings of being afraid, of being scared, of being alarmed, anxious, or even worried. Now, it's interesting because probably most people, if they were to be asked, do you have a fear or a phobia, there are a lot of people who would say yes. Now, admittedly, some of these phobias in our world today are really weird. Okay? But some of them are very, very real. I'm not just talking about the simple things of being afraid of a spider. Some of the fears that are in our world today are much greater and much more real to people. In a spiritual sense and in the battles that we deal with in our personal lives... Fear comes from issues within ourselves. It can come from a, as a product of the circumstances that we're dealing with and facing and what could happen in the middle of those things. And even the enemy himself wants us to live in a life of fear. Sometimes we can have fear of failure. What if we mess up too much and don't get it right? We can have a fear of what will happen if things in a particular situation do not go the way they need to or the way we think they should. If, what if things go wrong? The enemy wants us, even on a spiritual level, the, the enemy wants us to have this fear that somehow we're not saved, that somehow we're not forgiven, that somehow we're not God's child and experiencing or will experience the blessings as a result. These fears are a product of having a a real enemy in our lives that wants to convince us of his lies that ultimately contradict the word of God. How many would be honest today? I know this may be a weird way to define it. But how many have ever felt like the enemy would talk to you 
in some sense. That, that there would be a battle at some point in your life of fear or doubt or struggle. And, and it, it, it almost had to do with the thought life. It seemed like there was a battle going on where, whether you were going to believe what God's Word said or whether you were going to believe how you felt at the moment. Anybody, anybody ever felt that? Okay, most people in the room. There's that ungodly fear. And the Bible is clear to us that God does not give us the spirit or the attitude or the life of fear. Fear is a tool of the enemy. And so much of what we've seen in the last couple of years, and I'll go even a step further, some of what people are dealing with in their lives is a result of the enemy helping people to live in fear. Now, on the flip side of the ungodly fear, and there's even people who, who maybe you grew up in a... Uh, I'll call it for simplicity, you grew up in a, maybe a very legalistic culture. And I want to be careful because sometimes when we talk about legalism and we talk about a legalistic church culture, uh, we can go to a point of making it that everything about that was just completely wrong. I'll I give an example so you can understand what I'm talking about. Um, my mom grew up in a family as one of eight siblings. And my grandmother was a minister for more than 50 years and pastor, evangelist, you name it. And um, there, there were a number of what we today would probably call rules about how they lived. Now, if any of you resonate with this, you can just say, yep, that was me, okay? Having a TV at one point was a sin. Going to the movies was arguably disobedience to God. But it got even deeper. Cutting your hair as a lady... Wearing pants as a lady. Some of you are like, what? This is real? Um, makeup, jewelry. Some of you are nodding your head, so you've lived in this culture. So there were, there were points about it that seemed like it was carried so far in an effort to honor God that it got to the point that people would respond, the motivation was fear. And it was kind of this idea that was conveyed, not, I don't think it was intentional, but this idea that became conveyed was almost as if, if God sees you ever doing one thing wrong, He's going to strike you down. It's kind of the joke that, that we've ran with for years of people got saved every Sunday night. The same people got saved every Sunday night because every Sunday night the preaching uh, caused people to be fearful that if Jesus comes at this very moment, am I ready? Or the Lord knows I was in that movie theater last week. Or I went and bought some Maybelline. I mean, I, I, I'm just... But being serious, there were people who really lived even with an ungodly understanding of the Lord Himself. So there's ungodly fear. The godly fear that we're referring to, the fear of the Lord in Scripture, particularly in this study of Proverbs and, and even throughout the Old Testament, is different from being scared or being anxious or being worried or alarmed. Godly fear or fear of the Lord is being in awe of who He is, living with a desire to reverence Him in everything that we do, understanding who God is and all that He's done and wanting to honor Him with our lives. We see and we recognize God as God being love and He's shown compassion and He's been merciful and He's been patient with us. How many of you maybe would identify today that in your journey of coming to the decision to follow Jesus, maybe it took a little bit for you to get it? 
That maybe, maybe it took the Holy Spirit really pulling pretty hard on you to finally say, okay, I'm going to surrender to the Lord. That, that maybe it wasn't just an immediate moment of somebody sharing the gospel and you saying yes to Jesus. That's the journey of a lot of people even today in the world we're living. Because of their skepticism, because of the things that they've been painted about God or the church or whatever, that there are a lot of people who it's a journey, it's a process. They've got to deal with some doubts. They've got to deal with some question marks in order to say yes to God. How patient and how merciful and how compassionate is God towards us? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and we've been given an opportunity sometimes even to hear the truth of the gospel multiple times and yet God didn't give up on us in that sense. And then also, not only do we see God in that light, but we also see God as holy and righteous and pure and just. There's no error in Him. There's no sin in Him. And the reality that God hates sin, that He's holy. He is holiness, the epitome of holiness, perfection. And that God is creator and God is the savior but God is also the judge. And that in the end we will all give an account to God for our lives. When we see God for who he is and recognize, and I think it's an ongoing journey in many ways. But when we see God for who he is and realize the fullness of his character... We want to grow in our lives. I believe you can't truly see God and truly encounter God without wanting to pay attention to Him and to live by what He said. Wisdom is not defined as just great intelligence or just being full of knowledge. In our world today, the people that are considered to be the the smartest are the people who have been innovative and creative and developed all of these things and has all of this information and can pull it with recall. But scripturally, wisdom is defined as truly knowing God and in response to knowing God, being obedient to what He commands us to do. That's real wisdom. So if we truly recognize God for who He is, we come to this place of worshiping God. Why did we worship today? It's not just so we can finish this service and say we sing a few songs. It's not just so the, the people who have incredible gifting and talent can stand on this stage and entertain people. Worship is about recognizing who God is and that He's above all things and that He's greater than all things and that He has more power than anyone else could ever compare to. And in result of that and in response to that, we're saying, Lord, we honor You with our lives. We praise You as King Almighty. You are over all things. You create... I mean, I can't think about creation and not be in awe of God. We sit in this room today as very complex creations. Things about our physical nature and makeup that we don't even fully understand. Because if we did, we would never have any ongoing issues. We'd have solved them all and had cures. We are so complex in our nature. And there's so many things going on right now. Even in my own physical body, there are signals that are tracing from my brain to my hand movements to my eyes blinking to my mouth speaking. There's so many things going on that in reality, I have no control in some sense over making happen or not happen. And yet the body knows how to do all of these things. That's amazing. 
When you recognize the complexity of creation and you recognize that that creation itself couldn't have come from just a a, a ball of gases combining together. And when, when you recognize that, by the way, even if that was a true theory, where did the gases come from? But that's a different conversation. But when you recognize there's too much complexity in creation for this to have come together just by some random stance of happening. And you begin to realize there had to be one outside of creation who put this all in place. And then you start realizing we live in the Milky Way galaxy and yet we're one of many galaxies that we've never even seen, never even know fully about. We can't count the number of stars in the sky. We have a hard time explaining everything that's going on in creation and that's just what's up. When you begin to take into account, there's a reason why Genesis 1-1 is so important. Because if you don't get Genesis 1-1 right, you'll struggle with the rest of it as well. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when you begin to recognize the complexity of creation, you can't help but say, Wow, there is one who is greater. There is one who is above all and all-powerful. He's worthy of my worship. He's worthy of my praise. He's Savior. When we think about what God has brought us from, when we think about the fact that we are saved, when we think about the fact that we are declared to be a different life from death to light, from darkness to light, when we are considered to be forgiven and that every sin we've committed has been clean, cleansed and washed under the blood of Jesus, when we think about the fact of how, who we were and how unworthy we were and yet God in His mercy and compassion accepted us and welcomed us into His family and now goes even further than that, wants to use us to help other people follow Jesus. When I get a glimpse of how good God is to be the Savior of my life and how much He really must have loved me because I could never measure up to God. But when I get a picture of that, I want to worship the Lord for who He is and what He's done. He's Savior. When we truly recognize God for who He is, I want to honor Him. I could never repay Him. But I want to honor him with my life. Because nothing I have that really matters would would be anything that I have without God. Nothing. I want to reverence him. I want to recognize that these words are more than just the best-selling book in the history of mankind. These are God's words to us. And I want to pay attention. I want to hear His voice. Wow, look at how He's spoken all through the years. God is an active God, an engaged God, doing more than just setting the world in motion and walking away and saying, fend for yourself. But yet God is wanting to speak, and He's wanting to guide, and He's wanting to order our steps. And everything He said has come to pass, and everything He's ever done has proven to be best for people I want that in my life I want to know God I want to hear God I want to follow God I want to see God lay out everything that's needed in my life I want to bow before him in worship I want to stand and proclaim his name from the housetops I want to honor him I want to hate the things that he hates and love the things that he loves I want to live in obedience Because fear of the Lord is not just some emotion, it's not just reverence and all, but it translates into how I live. When I truly fear the Lord, when I truly uh, see Him as who He is, when I truly want to worship Him and honor Him and reverence Him, when I stand in awe of the Lord, then I'm going to submit or surrender to the Lord and follow His ways in my life. Matchless in power, 
holy, glorious, and perfect in all of His ways. Our fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's the beauty that the perfect God welcomes us close and we're constantly aware of God and His presence in our lives and we want to honor Him. Now, we're going to look at several of the instructions and the wisdom that come from this teaching from the book of Proverbs. And I think it's going to be really encouraging uh, to, even as I think about next week's message, I think about how God can, can show you and reveal Himself to you and continue to encourage you and how you can continue to learn to grow in trusting Him and Him leading your life. And God just, God's up to some cool stuff and He wants to continue to do a great work in your life. But in this series, in the wisdom of God's Word as a whole, none of it's going to matter unless you have the proper view of God. None of it's going to matter unless you, as Scripture says, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the fools who despise wisdom and instruction. It's the people who live life their own way. It's the people who do things their own way. It's the morally deficient because they're not in Christ. It's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge. That's the starting point. Who, who we see God is and reverencing Him as a result. So I, I pause today and just simply ask you a question right off the bat in this series. What is your view of God? How do you see God? how you see God and how you understand God and, and how you realize and recognize who He is is going to impact everything else that happens in your life. If you see God as being God, if you see God as being Savior, if you see God as being Creator, if you see God as being Judge, Righteous Judge, if you see all of these things, then you're going to live a life that wants to please Him. You're going to want to worship Him. You're going to want to live according to His ways. You're going to want to hear His voice. You're going to be diving in the deep end, leaning into God to be as close to Him as you can possibly be. If you view God as some distant creator or, or, or more than that, if you view God as non-existent whatsoever or that he has no impact in this life and that he doesn't want to do anything in this life to help you or to guide you or to lead you, it, it, it all comes back to what is your view of God. Do you know him? Do you have a, a reverence for him as you recognize who he is and his constant presence? Do you have a faith in Him that's based on who He is and all that He has done throughout history proving His character? He's Creator. He's Almighty. He's Savior. He's Lord. He's Judge. Listen, just about a month ago, our world was celebrating a figure that sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake. Which is kind of creepy. And yet... We understand that God really does see every detail of our lives. That there's nothing outside the scope of His awareness and knowledge. That there's no way that we can escape His eyesight. That there's no way that we can run from His presence in the sense of God always being present everywhere. If we know God and we walk in relationship with Him and we see Him in the right way, we will want to know what He has said to our lives. We will want to know how to live according to the truth of His Word. We will want to become 
wise. We will reverence Him, God, the more we realize Him in our lives. The reverence for God, the fear of the Lord. What we're talking about today as an intro into this series of messages together and this journey together. The the reverence for the Lord, the fear of the Lord, is really the component that's missing from our world today. Because if we truly see God for who He is, and we truly understand who God is, and truly understand what He's done for us, we want to honor Him. We want to serve Him. We want to worship Him. So many people have written God off. So many people are ignoring completely. So, so many don't want to entertain that conversation. But that, as a result of that, we're seeing a culture that is infiltrated and infected with sin. A culture that's having repeated conversations that we'd never have. Because if we reverence the Lord, we would take in His Word. And if we take in His Word, we would see it already answers life's questions. So how can you develop your view and understanding of who God is? Let me, let me give you a few practical encouragements today to wrap up. To, to grow in the fear of the Lord, to grow in the reverence of the Lord, to understand who He is. I want to first say, say this to people who maybe, maybe you're skeptical of this whole God thing. I mean, is Christianity just a crutch for weak people that they need something to believe in? Is Christianity really real? What's it really based on? Uh, How can I know God? All of these different things. So let me first speak to people who may have a lot of doubts and a lot of questions and a lot of skepticism when it comes to this topic of the Lord, of God, of Jesus, of Christianity. I want to first of all tell you to dismiss what you think you know about God from other people. And let me explain this. Maybe I should say dismiss the, dismiss the negative preconceived notions about who you think God is. Maybe you've been led to believe that God is always angry. That God doesn't want anyone to ever have any enjoyment in life. That God is some old man with a gray beard waiting to strike people down with lightning. That God is distant and disconnected from creation. That God is unknowable and or unapproachable. That God somehow doesn't care about you. Particularly if you've already made up your mind about what you think about God and you've made up your mind that He's no good, I want to challenge you to empty yourself from what you think you know about God. Secondly, take a next step. I want to invite you to invite God to reveal himself to you. The Bible is very clear. There are many places in Scripture that are if-then moments, if you will. If we will seek God, we will find him. If we want to know the Lord... We can know him. So the Lord invites us to come near to him. In fact, scripture goes far enough to say, if you will come near to God, he will come near to you. Uh, the, the older language of that, come draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. 
Can't the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present creator of the universe help you see that he's real and help you see that he's relational and relevant to your life? So, so maybe you've dismissed God because of all the reasons we've talked about or maybe others. And you're saying, well, there seem to be a lot of people in this room and online that, that believe in who God is. And, and so if it's really the case, if he's really that great, can't he prove that to you? If he's really God, isn't he big enough to handle your doubts and your questions? And isn't he powerful enough to show you what you need to see in order to believe in him? Invite him. Give him the opportunity to reveal himself to you. And even if you've known the Lord, known God, and had a relationship with God, ask for ongoing revelation of himself and wisdom to you. There's not a point in history that we could exhaust God or his word. He has much more to show us, much more to give, many ways that he wants to lead our lives and guide us. So let's do what he invites us to do. Let's invite him to be at work in our lives. Let's invite him to reveal himself to us. He's God, and he'll prove it to you. All you got to do is open the door. All you got to do is let him in. Thirdly, dedicate yourself to knowing God and to learning. Now, if you say, well, I'm going to invite God in. I'm going to go through the prayer time at the end of service and invite God in, but... But you don't engage in the Word. You don't take opportunity to attempt a conversation with the Lord. You, you don't want to connect in a God-centered community. If you're inviting Him in, but you don't really intend to pay much attention to Him, you, you, you're really missing the point. The idea here is you're inviting God to reveal Himself to you. And as a step of meeting Him along the way, if you will, you're committing yourselves to learning and to knowing and to understanding. Okay, God, I'm inviting you to reveal yourself to me. I'm inviting you to show me who you are. And in order to, to really give you a fair opportunity to do that, I'm going to be a seeker. I'm going to move from just being skeptical to giving this an opportunity to really make a difference in my life. I'm going to move from, from saying there's no way in the world this can be the case to, okay, I'm going to crack the door open and I'm going to say maybe God is real and maybe God is interested and I'm going to give opportunity to see what he has to say and let him work in my life. Now, ultimately, there are many people in the world who have encounters with God that may never have cracked open the Bible. In fact, one of the greatest things that's currently happening in our world today, and uh, we, we've sat personally with, with missionary units who are serving all over the world, some of them in some of the most dark places spiritually of the world. And one of the greatest things that's happening right now is Jesus is revealing himself to people. Dreams, supernatural visions... Moments when somehow, some way, a seed was planted. Somehow, some way, there is this awareness that comes to them that Jesus is really real. And their lives are being changed. That same God can reveal himself to you. And if you take a step to even meet him along the journey, even 
greater the potential that you're going to see a revelation of God that you've never seen or understood before. Make the most of this opportunity. To, to people who are skeptics, move to giving opportunity. To people who have been on this journey and you know how life-changing it is, keep going on the journey with Jesus. Keep seeking Him. Keep pressing in. There's more for you. Let's not be a people who ever drift to be complacent with Jesus. But let's take Him at His word. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No heart can fully understand what there is to come for those who follow Jesus. That there's more. Keep leaning in. Lastly, I'll say to you this. Actions, you know this, actions have consequences. Good or bad, actions have consequences. If you ignore God and you reject God and you reject the truth of God and you live life your own way... There is a, an eternity coming where you will be separated from God. If you realize God, you'll reverence God. If you reverence God, you will heed His word and follow His commands. And if you follow His commands, you will live under His blessing. So I'm going to finish up today by just simply reading a few more words from the writer of Proverbs and leaving us with these thoughts. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Out in the open... Wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you and I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I, will turn, will, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord." Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways. Consequences have, actions have consequences. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Proverbs chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you seek me, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, you're eager to hear more, to know more, to realize more, to live God's way, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you.
What is the word saying to us? If you will seek God and understand who He is and have that reverence and awe for the Lord, and in turn of that reverence and awe, you will seek the wisdom and understanding that comes only from the Lord. That as the Lord pours that into your life and you're living that out, your path will be secure. Your life will be protected. God will provide for you. You will be guarded. God will lead you in the right way. So I want to challenge you today. Invite God to reveal Himself to you in greater way than ever before. Wherever you're at on the journey, invite Him to reveal Himself to you more and more. And then dedicate yourself to knowing God, seeking His revelation. So that's more than just being in this room in this moment. That's that's about giving Him opportunity to speak through the Bible. That's about giving Him opportunity to talk with you in an ongoing conversation. That's about engaging with other Jesus followers to learn about God and to grow. It starts with realizing who God is. And as we realize who God is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We will gain insight. We will live the right way as we see who God is and live accordingly. I'm going to ask you to stand today. If you're in the room and if you're online, I'd love for you to give opportunity to respond in these moments as well. I want to ask you to close your eyes. and I'm not doing that so that uh, you go to sleep. (laughs) I'm doing that so you won't be distracted by anything else. speak today first to, to people who may be online or even may be in this room and, um, and you would consider yourself a person who has question marks and maybe even, maybe even doubts when it comes to God, when it comes to this whole Christianity thing I want to speak to you first I don't want to oversimplify this and I don't want to reduce the significance of knowing God but if I may speak first to those people who would claim themselves as, uh, as questioning, as doubting, or even skeptical of all this. I would say to you first today, what do you have to lose? If you give God the opportunity to reveal Himself to you, if you ask God, God, if you're really real, speak into my life, show me that you're really real. If He does it, you find out the truth. The reality of what you have to lose is... Uh, and, and I don't want to get too deep into this because this thought process, there are things that have flaws in them. But, but I'll say this. If for some reason we were wrong, I was wrong about this, then I finish this life and I float on into eternity, whatever that means. But if you're wrong about this and you've chosen not to pay any attention to God and you're choosing not to believe in God and you're choosing not to heed His Word, if you're wrong, then you have an eternity consequence for your decisions now the reality is we know because of the person of Jesus and his life death and resurrection we know that we're not wrong in this fact we have good reason to believe in the Lord we have good reason to believe in who he is and all that he said he has a proven track record he's the same today that he's always been and he always will be the same So today I'm inviting you, wherever you're at in that 
in that you've never maybe made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe that you've never really known God for yourself. Maybe you've made assumptions about God. And, and, and now today you're saying, you know what, maybe, maybe I've made the wrong assumptions. Or maybe I want to know more about this. I want to challenge you right where you are. You don't have to make it known to me in this moment. But I challenge you to take a step of intentionality right now. And just say, God, I invite you to reveal yourself to me. If you're real, Lord, I want to know it. I want to see it. I want to understand. God, I pray right now that that by the work of the Holy Spirit, that there will be something going on in the hearts and lives of people uh, that, Lord, I could never do. I could never make happen, no matter what's preached, no matter how I say it. Lord, I can't do what needs to be done in people's lives right now. You can, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, I pray you be at work. And, Lord, I pray in your mercy and your grace and your love, would you give people dreams and visions of seeing how real you really are? Whether it's in this room, whether it's people that are online, whether it's people that are all over the world living wherever they may be, that, God, people more and more would just have a a sense and an awareness of who you are. They would have a revelation of you, oh, God. They would see you in some way, Lord, that helps them to recognize you are real and you are powerful and you're interested in their lives and you care about what's going on and you care about their eternity would you speak to the people who maybe have the greatest doubts the greatest question marks would you oh Lord would you reveal yourself and Lord we as Jesus followers ask continue to reveal yourself and reveal your character and reveal your desires through your word to us and by the work of the Holy Spirit that works in perfect harmony with the word of God would you continue to reveal yourself to us would you continue to show us great and mighty things that that we can't even we can't even begin to fathom in many ways Lord you told us before you uh, ascended back to heaven to sit down at the right hand of the Father you said then that you had so much more that you wanted to tell us so much more you wanted to show us and teach us and that Lord we, we couldn't handle it at that point but Lord now you said you would send the Holy Spirit and he would teach us he would lead us in all truth he would show us the way he would continue to reveal to us everything that we need to know so Lord I pray as Jesus followers we would continue to seek you I pray that we never grow complacent in our, our relationship with you, but that we're always wanting to learn. We always have a passion to hear your voice. We always have a desire to follow your ways, Lord, that we would dedicate ourselves to following you, to listening to you, to paying attention to you, to living the way, Lord, that's truly best for us, your ways, Lord. every person would sense and know you in a greater way than they ever have before. That we would be more in awe, more in reverence of you, Lord, because we see you for who you really are. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask our prayer team members if you would come and, and make yourself available this morning on either side of the auditorium. These individuals will serve you today. They're prepared to serve you today, to pray with you, to encourage you, uh, 
to, to speak life over your life. Uh, just, just to be available to agree with you for whatever you may be dealing with today. You may have came, come into this place and uh, maybe you have a great need. And, and you're listening to all of this, but that need is weighing on your mind, weighing on your heart. I encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity to pray with those who care deeply about you. I want us to end today together. And, and I say end, this is, I guess, what makes us feel like we have an official end. But in reality, you can pray and seek the Lord as long as you'd like to today. But would you join me in simply lifting a hand or both hands and just inviting the Lord to lead us and to speak to us and reveal Himself to us? Lord, for many of us, we know you. For many of us, Lord, we see you. We see who you are. We recognize creator, almighty God. We recognize loving father and gentle savior, full of mercy and compassion and grace. We also recognize you in your holiness. We don't deserve to stand before you, Lord. We recognize in so many ways, Lord, through your word, who you are. and We recognize by what you're doing in our lives. And today we just, we ask, even as Jesus' followers today, we ask, continue, Lord, this work in us. We honor you today, Lord. We reverence you today, Lord. And in our lives, may we live to honor and please you more than anything. Speak into your people's lives, Lord. And may we have ears that listen intently to what you would say. Let us, let us see you, God, in a way that... In a way, God, that just continues to help us realize just how wonderful, how awesome, how powerful, how great you are. And God, may we live according to your word. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray today that you would bless and keep this people. You would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. I pray your countenance, your favor, would ever be turned their direction and grant them your peace. I pray, O oh Lord, that there would be a growing spiritual hunger in all of us for more of you. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will go with us, keep us safe, well, and whole, and use us, God, to be light and darkness in our world in every interaction, we pray. Minister among many, even in these moments, in Jesus' name.